you know, I've encouraged you with this many times too, Brad, but like you just can't forget who you are. You can't and, and what you're here to do and and not everyone's going to like that. Not everyone's going to, it's not even actually, forget not everyone's going to like it. Not everyone's going to get it. Um, one of my mentors always says, the worst decision you can make, Josh, is to never make one. Um, so I really live with the principle of like, sometimes when I'm stuck in my thinking, it's like, Josh, you've got to say yes. You've got to say yay, nay, or you've got to delay and put that one off for another time. It's, it's one of those three and you've got, to, you've got to do that. Why do I exist here in life? And that's where belonging and purpose comes from. Alrighty, g'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. It is your boy, the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Driver. Of course, you can all call me Brad. In fact, call me whatever you want to call me, because if you're a fan of the show, then I'm a massive fan of you. I'm always blessed to be sitting here in this seat because I get to have amazing conversations with incredible guests. Today's guest and I have an amazing origin story of where our relationship started, so I'm looking forward to diving into that, but I want to give him the intro he deserves. So he, first and foremost, is a father of, of a few and a husband. He is the chaplain at the Illawarra Hawks basketball team in the NBL. He's the GM of Lighthouse Church and also a pastor at Lighthouse Church. But for me personally, he's been a bit of a mentor, someone who I come to in times where I feel like I need to have in-depth conversations. And I feel like he's got a telepathic trait where whatever he says to me is the things I need to hear in that moment and that's why I'm so excited to have this chat it's one we've had teed up for a little while so from your home your car or wherever you are give a very warm welcome to the one the only Mr. Josh Hammond. Oh, it's incredible to be here thanks Brad that's a pretty epic intro maybe sound a lot better than I probably am but Mate, I, you I deserve appreciate it. the kindness. So. You deserve it like I said it's I love to talk about the origin story of where I met or first come across a guest. You're one of the guests of the podcast that I've been lucky to know for a while. And quite often with with my guests, I meet them just as I'm interviewing them, but I've had an experience with viewing them from the outside in. I feel like we've had quite an interesting origin story in the way that our relationships formed because my first meetings with you were as a 16-year-old lad jumping off a bus into a state-touch football team. And you were my coach, That's right. you know, back in the school days. And, and I remember, I want to share with you, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, a little memory from that day. Well, that weekend, we had, I think, a Thursday, Friday up in Tamworth. A long trip to Tamworth. <laughs> Eight-hour eight bus trip there and then eight hours back. And I remember being away. It was a very hot weekend. And the superstar of our team that weekend was the one, the only Mr. Hugh Harrison, who was as fit as they come <laughs> and, you know, player. triathlete, great player. But I remember on the trip home, we had like little merit awards sort of presentation. And I, I can't remember whether it was a Mars bar or a Snickers bar that I won. But I remember you recognized me as, I think it was like something for hard work or improvement over the course of that tournament. And for me as a kid... Whilst I was always really athletically talented as a younger fella, at those ages where my athletic talent wasn't as profound because everyone sort of grows into their skill set, one thing I really prided myself on, and I'd say even to this day, is the effort that I give to things. And I remember feeling so encouraged and uplifted by the fact that you recognize my effort. So firstly, I wanted to thank you for that. And from there, just talk about the development of, I think, 
probably a few years there where we hadn't seen each other and right. as um regular members of the blue mile walk down here in wollongong <laughs> exactly right. we sort of crossed paths again and conversations started to happen and coffees and catch-ups and you're someone who i honestly and i don't say this to pump you up mm. but you're someone who i always sit down with and leave feeling thousands mm. of times better for it so thank you oh thanks brad i oh, appreciate the thanks and uh it's a funny uh, origin story, isn't it? You it know, is. It's amazing how your paths cross again. Like here yeah. we are recording the podcast. Ten which, years. Which is actually an honour to be on. Uh, I appreciate you're doing that. amazing things and the guests you have. Um, feeling a little bit nervous and inadequate compared to some of the people you've had on here. but Not at all. I, uh, I have, I've taught you know, hundreds of kids uh, in my peer teaching days and had interactions with thousands of people you know, since then as well. And you are also someone that stuck out to me then. And I do remember those experiences pretty vividly because yeah. it was exactly that. It was hard work. Um, you are not a person of no talent and you certainly you know, were a valued member of that team. But I, I guess now looking at life and then also thinking about you as that 16-year-old mm. kid, it, it all makes sense. Because back yeah. then you were someone who uh, made the team better. Yeah. Um, you made others better. Um, you, uh, yes, had levels of skill and talent, but you were always willing to put that to the work. So you made sure you reached your potential. Um, and whatever that, you know, 48 hour trip, which was most of it on a bus or <laughs> sitting in the baking Tamworth sun, uh, yeah, that experience sticks out for me as well. Um, and that, you know, this is, I guess, why we keep crossing paths because we're similar. Um, we want to help others. We want to, uh, make others better. Uh, we want to. We know that, you know, on the surface, there's a story behind that. And, you know, I've, I've followed your journey, whether it's here in the Gong or down in Wollongong, and I've just always uh, sort of followed your journey and think, yeah, that, that guy's going places. And um, one of the things that, you know, I want to do in this season of life is to help make particularly younger guys just uh, more successful and better and just championing them because it's not an easy world to yeah. do things differently. So I love the use of that word championing and the idea of this, to quote a movie, quite a bit of a rom-com. Um, <laughs> have you ever watched, uh, what's it called? It's my mum's favourite movie, Julia Roberts. Um, uh, like, oh, Notting Hill or? No, also, that's a fantastic very movie. That's that, my wife's favourite one. Yeah, I tell you what, that's one of my favourite rom-coms. I come back to that. Um, <laughs> the one where she goes on like the journey of self-discovery. Uh, uh, I watched, literally watched it the other day. She goes to Italy, oh, yeah. Bali. Uh, is it, is it um, Eat Love? Eat, Pray, Love. Eat. That's the one. Yeah, there I haven't seen the whole movie. That's, that's the one. I watched that the other day. It's my mum's favourite movie. She always bats on about it. I've got right. a friend who talks about that movie. And I'd never watched it fully. The other day I was sitting here in ISO. I thought, oh, I'll throw it on. Yeah. And there's a scene in the movie where she's talking about needing a man. And this guy says to her, you don't need a man, you need a champion. Right. And I thought about the weight of that thought and in every context the idea of having people who champion you in your life is is a real blessing. Yeah. And I feel like I'm very privileged to have that in a lot of people, but in particular the conversations we have. I'm I'm super curious with with your story Josh like we've I don't think we've ever really dived into when we've spoken like your early early years. Mm. And you know faith is something that um this may be presumptuous of me but Faith is something that I think anchors you to your sense of purpose and direction in life. Would that yeah. be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think if I keep asking the question why 
and I dig a bit deeper and why and why. For me, it always ends. Yeah. You know, that question always ends with my faith and that anchor for my soul. Um, so, yeah, that's a fair assumption on me for sure. Would you say this could even be more presumptuous of <laughs> me, but I think for majority of people, faith comes in like one of two ways and or faith or religion, however you like to look at it and frame it. It's either you grow up in a household that celebrates faith or you go to a schooling system that encourages that or and and that becomes a part of your fabric and who you are as a child and you know runs with you throughout the course of your life as you start to form your own ideas and beliefs around it or for some people they have traumatic experiences or a number of them that then lead them to find a sense of of savior i guess a sense of a savior and a way to pull themselves through and then that's when they get connected to faith now, I'm sure there's other ways that that happens, but they seem to be the common two threads of many unique stories. Yeah. What's your relationship with faith and where did mm. that begin? Yeah, it's a great question. And mine, I'd say mine's a bit of both. You know, I'm so grateful for my parents bringing me up in that heritage, if you want to call it that, of faith and taking me to church and um, even probably times when I didn't want to. You know, I grew up in Nara uh, or Bomadera to be more specific. And, uh, you know, part of a great community down there, um, enjoyed my time at school, uh, got great parents, you know, wonderful siblings, and, uh, you know, life was, in a lot of ways, exactly, um, you know, how you would picture it based on what I just said. So I was really, I was, I was really grateful for that upbringing, I guess. Yeah, for me, um, I, uh, so what I'd add to your, you know, your comments about faith is I think it can be both I think it can be um, even if you've had that upbringing I think everyone still um, has moments where they need to make a choice for themselves and for me that was probably um, you know at the age of sort of 10 where I decided okay yeah I, I, you know, I believe in God I want to live out this faith life as however a 10 year old would say that but then life takes you on so many twists and turns and yeah. you use the term there like religious and I actually don't consider myself religious and that might be a strange thing to say because I'm a pastor and I, uh, I work for a church. And um, for me, religion is working, um, you know, trying to do as many good things as possible uh, to seek God's approval. And that's exhausting. Yeah. Uh, whereas for me... Um, I feel like I was kind of saved from religion, if you like, <laughs> at, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago. Um, there's some moments, you know, where I was overseas. And, yeah, whether call it divine intervention or just people championing you or whatever else it is, for me the story flipped at those mm-hmm. moments where actually I uh, was already thought of, I was already created um, by God. Uh, he loves me and um, I'm going to screw things up. I'm going to do things wrong. Yeah, um, but it's actually him that gives me the grace and the power to to do things well and yeah. good. Um, and when I don't, he's still there as well. But it's not about that power. I, don't, I, I do good things because I feel like that's what um, I want to do because of my faith, not because I have to do it so I get God's approval. Mm. So I guess that's a bit about my story. Um, I'm always like sensitive about. Um, sort of just pushing that on people and I think yeah. that's what one of the things people appreciate about me um, most is that I have a very strong faith that's actually 
Um, it's personal and it's public, but it's also, um, I'll tell you about it as much as you like if you ask me about it. Um, and I'll also you know, help people if they want to know more about it. Uh, but other than that, I'm, I'm going to live my life so people go, what's different about that? So therefore I get asked about it, not like, hey everyone, I'm different because, or you should do that, um, or here's how you need to live, or whatever. Uh, for me, it's just about living it um, and people sort of sinking into that um, the way that they find best, if that makes sense. Mate, you, you say that so well because it's funny. I had this exact conversation with my mate. Everyone on the podcast, if you listen to this podcast and you don't know who Fooney is yet, uh-huh. one of my best mates, he's like he's like a bit of a confidant. We have those good coffees, runs, yep. talks where we talk about a lot of these things and he asked me who today's guest was and we spoke about, you know, I sp- shared with him and he said, I can remember you telling me about your conversations and sit downs with him before and the impact that he's had on you. And I spoke about, I had this curiosity around that question, hmm. how faith is formed for people and what it looks like for certain people. And ev- like you said, everyone's experience will be unique. And I said, I feel like the one, and it's funny the way that you framed religion there compared to faith. I feel like the one fall short of religion is in people who have grown up in it, there needs to be a sense of freedom to make the choice of why is this for me? Because I think that's important in any aspect of your life. Like whatever you believe in, not even related to faith, your morals, your ethics, the way that you treat other people, at a certain point in life you have to go, okay, this is what I've been taught. Yeah. And this is how it's been framed to me as a child. Yes. But as a as a grown human being, as an adult who is living their own experience now, what's my choice and how am I going to treat this? It's exactly how I, it's how I read the Bible too. That's God loves us enough to give us the choice. Yeah. And I think that's um, that's the premise of my faith that it is a choice. Um, yeah. I, I do live with the belief that everyone's curious about it. Um, I think people are interested in God, interested in Jesus. Uh, you know, stats would show and there's definitely things that um, would say that people aren't always interested in the shop window he's presented in, uh, yeah. which is the very reason why, you know, I, one of the reasons I do what I do at Lighthouse because I want to I make church uh, make sense. I want it to be as accessible as possible to people. Uh, I want to, you know, the, the church that I'm a part of and help lead to be part of the social fabric of its city uh, in a very way that people go, it makes sense to their everyday lives. So I think that's, you know, that's kind of what I go about life doing. Uh, yeah, I love and, that. And that's why I think people get surprised a little bit, you know, a pastor or a GM or someone works um, in a church that kind of turns up in these spaces they don't expect uh, and their wheels are going, I don't know why he's here or someone of faith is here, but I like it. It's making sense. And that's, I guess that's one of the things I've sort of noticed about my own life the last four or five years. So. Well, I definitely noticed that in you. And the thing for me is I wouldn't say I'm, I, my relationship with, with faith is very different. My relationship with faith going to a, you know, I was christened as a child. My parents weren't particularly, use the word religious, mm. But they always had a sense of faith and always pushed really good morals and ethics on my sister and I. And, you know, going to a Christian school, you're around a lot of people who attend church. I never really attended church. Mm. 
as a kid. And for me, my particular choice in faith came at the age of like 13, which some people would still say is quite young, but it's a practice daily. I've spoken about it once or twice on the podcast that, mm. and to be honest, until I'd actually shared it with you and I very well, Caleb Hansey yeah, good guy. on the podcast, I'd never ever spoken about this with anyone, yeah. but it was just my own experience. And I think mm. that's why it was so, for me, it stuck with me and it felt so profound that at the age of 13 with two incredibly loving and supporting parents mm. who'd just been divorced, mm. I was for the first time in my life in a position where at one night, I didn't know whether the parent who I wasn't with that week was mm. getting to bed safe and well. And you know, my dad worked as a police officer, so you know, that that's a dangerous world at Absolutely. times. And I used to think, I wonder if he gets home safe. And when I was at mum's home, um, when I was at dad's place, I used to think, I wonder if mum got home safe from work. You know, she's got to make that dangerous walk in the middle of the night from the mall to the car park. Like, you know, I used to stress about them. And to take that weight off my shoulders, I just started to pray. Yeah. And I swear to you, from that night at the age of 13, every night since, mm. so I'm talking for 13 years now, I do not close my eyes. Yeah until I've said that prayer with my head on the pillow. Yeah. It is just something that gives me a sense of relief and a yeah. sense of I've put that up. And all I do is I ask for the health, the happiness and the mm. safety of the people I love. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's about a minute or two that I go through a bit of a ritual or routine, yeah. you'd call it, where I ask for those things and I, and I basically celebrate the blessings of my life. Yeah. And for me, that has been my particular, I guess it's been the cornerstone of, Yep. sort of my faith and, and the way that I celebrate that and believe. But I love that, you know, and, and you can you can go back and anyone can twist and turn anything to be negative, but I love that in 99.9% .9 of cases, faith in something mm. is about being of service to others. Yep. It's about being a better human being and yep. bringing out the best part of yourself. Yep. I think that's a great way to live life, regardless of how you frame it or look at it. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head too, I think. Uh, people can often have the perception that God is distant and he's big. and I mean, he's certainly a big God and I believe he does incredible, miraculous things. But he also is very interested in every detail of our lives. Mm. And I know that to be true. And it's like he's hearing every one of those prayers <laughs> yeah. about each of those yeah, monotonous things or really important things that you're saying all the time to him. And you also mentioned something which I like. You said, you know, you, or you mentioned the phrase like, you know, I didn't necessarily attend church. Yeah. And when you say that, we think of the church as a building and it meets between like 10 and 11 on Sunday or whatever. Again, I think that's the difference that um, I like about leading and also even attending Lighthouse in the sense that shaped it in a way that actually no you are the church wherever you find yourself y yes come together on sunday and celebrate that or on wednesday or whenever we happen to be mm. meeting but don't boil it down to just a building and yeah. to, a, to a to a, a sunday thing uh that you know only people that you know say the right things and do the right things can come to it's absolutely not true um it's a place that any everyone's welcome um to celebrate faith wherever you might beyond that journey with but actually after that you know what you got to go do on monday or tuesday or wednesday is so important and, and and purposeful and serving others as you mentioned all those things are the hallmarks i think of a strong faith life and i think it brings purpose to life uh, for me and 
yeah, you'd be well aware of stats around people that have somewhere to belong and Definitely. a purpose in life or, 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 or a faith that, you know, they're the happiest people. They're the, it doesn't always mean their life is easy, but they, they're, they're fulfilled. Um, they've got some drive, you know, they live longer, all those things, you know, having that sort of groundedness. Is it allows good. for perspective, doesn't it? And it does, yeah. It's one thing I notice in a lot of athletes, yep. and I think especially in athletes over in the US, yeah. And I think because a lot of, and you know, if you look at a lot of the statistics of athletes who are succeeding in the US, um, especially in the African-American culture where faith seems to be really strong, a lot of them have come from harder upbringings yeah. and communities that require a sense of perspective of positivity mm. and the ability to frame things more positively when those experiences and challenges are hard. Yeah. And you see that the cornerstone of or the anchor of their life has become this faith yeah. and this ability to reframe negatives and understand that it's a part of a bigger picture. Yeah. And, you know, I, on a different lens, talk about it all the time. I'm so grateful for my cystic fibrosis mm. because the incredible challenge and difficulty of navigating that situations at times throughout my life has allowed me to be the human being I am. Yeah. Like it's that chiseling away of my character that's built exactly who I am as a human has allowed me to attack things in life with real vigor and a sense of purpose. And I believe that the ability and perspective to look at things positively, which often comes through faith, yeah. is a huge part in helping that for so many people. Yeah. I want to sort of steer into yeah. your, your role as the chaplain of the Hawks. Yeah. You know, we talk about, you know, you said a big part of what you believe your purpose and mm. role in life is right now is to help shape and support the growth and success mm. of young men. Mm. You know, you've got a bunch of young men there mm. who are either in the early or later stages of a career in a very formative part of their life where these external pressures as any athlete or human being to a T has external presses, pressures of expectation, yeah. you know, a sense of statistic that is supposed to dictate their success on the, on the court. But there's a whole human being and, and a big part of my journey on here on the podcast is connecting with athletes. And as a fan, it's easy to get worked up in the statistical success of a team and forget that they're not players out there, they're human beings. And this has helped me a lot, this journey of connecting with people and sharing story to detach the athlete from the person. Hmm and appreciate that there's a job to do out there when they're playing their game and there's a human being who has to live life and get the most out of it. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time their life off the court or off the field, depending on the sport they play, di dictates their success on it. Hmm. Talk to us about that role and does faith play a huge part in that or is it more so just shaping human beings and listening and having conversations? It's definitely more so the latter, uh, although I'm definitely there for a faith aspect uh, if the players want that, mm. and but it doesn't determine uh, you know who I hang out with on the team or yeah. who I spend time with. Um, I'm there for the whole team, uh, there for the, the you know the front office staff and coaches, and that role has really come out of relationship. You know, this is coming into my fifth uh, season doing that. Um, prior to that, um, you know, my boss at Lighthouse did the chaplaincy role for 17 years. Um, there's an older guy still, you know, kicking around our church and he was the chaplain before then. So we've actually provided a chaplain to the Hawks for yeah, uh, wow. 38, uh, 37, 38 years, almost the whole history of the club. That's incredible. But you don't ever just get to hang around because you've always been there. And as, you know, changes of coaches and ownership and you have to build that relationship again. And, you know, 
uh, be yeah you got to play the integral part of the team mm. not just do what you've always done so i've found the last couple of years particularly um you know with new ownership and new coaches and new players just been some of my, my most uh, fruitful i guess there because um i can see the role i play clearly the coaches are incredible the hawks the players they know what they're doing you know they're incredible athletes you've got great physios with bay med and support staff and all those things so the chaplain role plays a small piece of the puzzle an important one but a small piece of the puzzle which is that it can be a relational connect it can be uh coffee off outside you know off the court conversations um, yeah. or outside of the um athlete conversations yeah faith might play a part for some players uh someone to talk to if you're going through an injury um someone to talk to with like my career's almost coming to an end what you know um, how do I navigate what's next so it really is um, a role that uh, yeah, is invited you know through the club and one that you know through relationship you can't take yourself too seriously like you're, you're part of you know you're part of the team um, and yeah, it's one of those things I really enjoyed doing but back to your point I, I agree with you that these guys are successful um, every you know all the measures of success society might place on someone you know these are fit, young, good at what you do, uh, very hard to be a professional athlete, and they've made it. But I also subscribe to the thought that yeah, the people are human. Um, people could um, uh, yeah they might get injured, they might not be playing well, and some of those things don't. Well, those things don't matter to me as much as it might to, as a coach or a fan or a, a business sponsor or whatever else. So it is that ear off the court if they want um, to unpack all of life um, if that's important to them as well. So, But the Hawks always just have a great uncanny ability, as you know, following them for many years, to just bring in great people, mm. great young guys um, that often go beyond... Um, reach their potential quite quickly in a hard-working club. Um, and, yeah, I love it. It's a great part of what I do. So. Yeah, so well said. And, I, you know, I look at the role of a leader or a mentor and I don't think people understand. Like, leading is all about actions. Yeah. Mentorship is all about the ability to tell story and have conversation, hold space for someone to yeah. feel supported. Yeah. That is such a skill set. I don't think people appreciate what that skill set requires and how much work it takes to develop that. Mm. You have to be very empathetic. You have to be yeah. super understanding. And, you know, it was, it was really nice. During my week of isolation, I, I sat down and I got a cheeky three-month subscription to Apple TV. And one of the shows that I loved was Ted Lasso. Yeah. Have you ever watched Ted Lasso? I haven't. It's on my list to, yeah. it's on my list to watch. So I actually I found it as a recommendation on Ben Crow's app. Um, Mojo Crow, his mindset course. And I sat down to watch the show and the context of a show is a guy who's an American football coach mm. um, known for his ability to dance at halftime with his team <laughs> on SportsCenter. He gets air yeah. and he gets employed to be a Premier League coach in, the, in soccer, right? So Never coached a game of soccer in his life, doesn't understand the rules of the sport. Essentially, there's a whole motive behind that, which I won't get into, but... You see a guy who is so out of his depth in the knowledge of the sport, but has this innate ability to connect with different human beings. 
to understand and be empathetic about what they need and the fact that the needs of one player are completely different to the needs of other because they have different lived experiences. And I look at that skill set and, you know, I find myself in a position where I'd, I'd like to think I've had unique life experience mm. that I can chat to many different people. But I've often been in a situation where I sit and I listen to someone tell me a story or share an experience with me. Mm. And it's, it's hard to, you know, it's not about giving someone advice. A lot of times it's about just listening and asking yeah. questions. But it's very hard to feel like you can be supportive or mm. give them answers that they're seeking yes. when... You've, you've not lived all those experiences. Yeah. So let's talk about some of, I guess, your self-development. Yeah. What are the things and experiences in your life that you feel like have made you, and, and you're very humble, so don't be too <laughs> humble here, but they've definitely made you fit to lead yeah. and fit to be a mentor. Yeah. I think one of the things uh, I've developed most in, and you've mentioned already in the last five years, is empathy. Mm. I, I'm probably a bit shocked uh, when I look at myself five years ago how uh, unempathetic I was. And I think it really came down to the fact that I thought I was empathetic. Um, I was probably more sympathetic. Yeah. And the difference for me is empathy really is the ability to, 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 to put yourself in someone else's shoes. But in saying that, never assume that you know exactly what it feels like to be in there. So, uh, and this is sometimes, you know, some of the weaknesses of being uh, even a pastor or uh, someone who's a mentor is uh, you can quickly slip into advice mode. Mm. And that's not what I believe people are looking for all the time. Um, so I've learned to really only give advice if people are saying, hey, what would you do in this circumstance? Like they've been crystal clear. Whereas holding space for people um, you know, one of the best gifts you can give people is just giving them your full attention uh, and saying phrases like, and th these types of things were not in my vocabulary uh, five years ago. So saying things like, I actually can't imagine what you're going through. I can't. Because <laughs> we often say, I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. Or I have, or I've done something similar. Like someone's trying to tell you a story and you cut them off halfway and say, oh yeah, that reminds me of a time when I did and people will be nice and they'll listen, but that's not what they're looking for. They're looking uh, for... But I think sometimes we don't know where to go if we can't imagine. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine what you're going through. And then you just... But simple things like, but I'm here. I actually don't have the words for you, but you can call me anytime. And then it's really just about... I think I used to talk too much. Um, I think I used to... Talk over the top of people too much. Be guilty of that. Yeah, you're right. Okay. And here we are on a podcast, a yeah. lot to talk about. And and I love talking. You know, I do it for a living. I end up, you know, I love chatting with people. But sometimes, yeah, you know, I can hear myself to myself saying, just, all right, Josh, shut up. This is your moment to shut up. Uh, they don't need your advice. They don't need your three tips on how to live better in this moment. What they need is you here. Um, putting yourself in their shoes as best as you can imagine but saying you can't because you can't even if you've lived a fairly similar life you cannot assume and uh saying i'm here but i love what you said too because you can't like what job is that right like try to put a job description around that or try to value that or try to earn money out of that like it's this type of thing and you know what i'm talking about because 
there's things that we do in life that are even sometimes hard to articulate for ourselves, but you, when you're doing it, you just know that you belong there and you know that this is important and this is what I'm made to do. And it may not be big, large, massive. People can't always see it. So, so I think some of it is just really learning those skills. And that's come, by the way, from someone holding trusted people, holding mirrors up in front of you metaphorically saying, this is how you look like, or this is what you sound like when you think you're being empathetic, but you're not. And, and you'll get that advice from all sorts of people, and I have, but I, I take it from a, a trusted few, and I do something about it when, when people that, you know, my mentors or people that I trust in my life say those things. It, um, it, it comes from living a bit of pain, you know, um, having people that you thought were loyal or were on your side or whatever, but then, you know, all of a sudden they're not. Um, and it comes from just a little bit of time and sticking at the same thing over and over again. And I'd say, you know, that's a bit of my journey the last couple of years is I'm seeing the fruit of trust uh, with people that, you know, we were talking off, off air, offline prior to this about, you know, what used to take me a year to kind of, you know, crack the facade of someone or to, or to, um, ask them a big question around, you know, could you finance this or could you fund this project? You know, that, that just took for, you know, forever. Whereas, you know, now that's a, that's a text or that's a 30 second conversation. And, and that comes when you, when you stick at things for a long time, you stick it, you know, you stick with the same city, you, you stick with the same job. Um, sure. You, you, you take the twists and turns and that, and you continue to develop and you flex and you always are teachable. And it comes with it comes a little bit with age, you know. Of, um, you know, for you to sit here and describe me as a bit of a mentor is like, ah, uh, yeah, right. I'm I'm a little bit older now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not 28. I'm I'm nearly 40. Yeah. And you can't skip through those life stages either. I have found you have to go through them. Um, you can't speed them up too much. Um, and you learn things along the way that all of a sudden I'm finding is helping people more than I expected. It's a huge part of, like you said, we had great conversation before the mics went on as, (laughs) as happens on every podcast where you're like, you almost like feel like just turning the mics on before the guests. Yeah. I thought you had actually. (laughs) But you know, I, I sat here and I said to you, I think what you described there was really an incredible relationship, probably through a lot of hard work and, mistakes and challenges along the way but this incredible relationship with time and a sense of not feeling rushed as you said like not feeling like you have to rush through things that is my biggest challenge in life right now is having such big dreams and hopes and almost self-expectation for the future which is not always healthy that there's this need or want to like look and invest in what's next as opposed to being present in what's now and I've shared plenty about this on my Instagram because we had a really great coffee catch up mm. a couple of months back and you gave me this idea that has sat on my mind ever since about watering your patch of grass and not looking at how green the neighbours is, mm. not looking at how big their yard is and how much they have going on and how luscious it looks, but just appreciating that what's under your feet right now, if watered, cared for and respected, grows and remains healthy 
And that concept has stayed with me, but it is such a challenge when you feel stuck. Mm. You know, you spoke about there how you've had mentors and people who have helped you. Do you feel like, without asking you who your mentors are, do you feel as though you've sought out those people as mentors or have they kind of found you through that process? Uh, I think they're, they're definitely people that I want to be like. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, so I do seek that out. Um, mentors' time is very valuable. So, you know, I've always kind of come with the mindset that, man, this is such a treat. You know, I'm not going to take it, uh, excuse me, I'm not going to take advantage of mm. this time and I'm going to come prepared or I'm going to come thinking about, you know, um, where I was um, or what I want to get out of it. Sorry, it's probably what I should say. Uh, yeah, they, they come into your life and sometimes come out of your life depending um, you know, where what you're doing and what you find yourself. I think people that are innovative and think differently, um, and you're one of these too, Brad, you're going to have a lot of people that you're going to lean on for advice for different things. Um, and yeah, whereas if you just kind of seek out one, it's, you know, um, <clears throat> might need to start some of this again, but I think... Uh, It's all in my mind, so... No, no, I know, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So I think... Uh, sorry, what was the question again? Sorry. So, like, do you feel like you seek out yeah. mentors or do you feel as though those mentors have found you at the right stages and moments of your life? Yeah. Well, I think definitely I seek mentors out. I I think a mentor's time is very valuable. Uh, they don't have to give it. Um, they're usually... I, I sync with people that are living big lives, mm. that are... Um, they steer away from the word busy, but they live a full life. And I want to seek those people out. But I also know, man, they've got a lot going on. And uh, if they've chosen to develop me or chat with me for an hour or respond to my text or mm. um, you know, spend an hour on the phone when I, when I know they don't have it, uh, I really treat that as a special thing. So, But I also live with the fact that I think people do want to develop people that are younger than them and championing them. So, yeah, the mentors have been people that, yes, I've sought out, but there are also people that I've, um, you know, one of my mentors is my boss. Um, uh, one of my mentors is a CEO of a large organisation in, uh, in the Illawarra. And these are people that I want to be like. And um, But these are also people I feel like I'm going on an adventure with. Yeah. And there's some shared uh, history there and there's some just you know, I just kind of always feel like we're just achieving great things together. So there are people that uh, are in my life and uh, seek it out. But you've got to be willing to put, you've got to, you, you never want people to just tell you what you, uh, what you think you want to hear. That's, I feel like that's a mark of a great mentor. So if you're going to, if you're going to be mentored, you've got to be willing to uh, put your, sort of ego on the line because mm. my mentors will say things like not right now and I'm like no it is now surely that's <laughs> no, not and times where I've like thought nah it's now it's not <laughs> they're right you know so true the wisdom's there um, or they'll be like yeah they, they love you enough to just to also be completely blunt with you and everybody, I think, um, needs people in their life that are really honest with them. But they know that they've got your back 
and they love you enough to tell you what you maybe not necessarily what you want to hear but what you need to hear and I want those people in my life because they're the people that have helped me develop as I've mentioned already as quickly as I can so that it's an interesting point you raise because and this is why I think I really value the idea of mentors or people in my life who are very honest with me and at times when necessary like brutally honest because I feel like a lot of I'm very grateful that because I've been in this area all of my 26 years bar one I have an incredible number of acquaintances who really respect and champion the things that I do however the downside to that is they champion and uplift me so much that it's very hard to get honest feedback from some people. <laughs> so when I when I launch something or I put an idea out into the world or I share a story with someone and I seek the, the feedback that's going to allow me to grow and reach the goals that I have, yep. a lot of it is just kind of fluff. Yeah. The feedback I get back because I think people are so scared to to be critical yep. or to be honest. And that's not always, It's whilst it's appreciated because people want to uplift you and I think that's such an amazing trait for people to have, yeah. to be able to have those few that you go to for really honest feedback yeah. by being, like you said, open to it. Yeah. You know, am I, am I ready to hear that? And I feel like the times where you're not yeah. probably even speaks more to what you need right now. Yeah. And they, those people, uh, they shape you more than all the uplifting comments mm. or all the go get it, you know, type stuff, which is Definitely. really nice. But I would say there's a place for honest feedback and there's or blunt conversations. And for me, they're always um, with trusted people. It's never out the open in the sense. So you never, yeah, it's, mentors aren't people that are dragging you down publicly. Of um, course. They are those champions that are uplifting you um, all the time. Um, but then there's these, these conversations which, you know, don't go anywhere other than just across the coffee table. There you go, right, that's, that's what I've got to do next um, mm. as well. So I think, yeah, there's, there's, there's a place for that. And you look back at history, you look at um, people that you admire, you look at um, people that have just done great things consistently and made it about others, not themselves, always had a guiding voice in their life. And always had someone to go, um, like, Josh, your family's important here. Don't lose that. Or of course. <laughs> go, go hard as, as much as you like, but hey, you know, what comes first? All that type of stuff, you know, I think those types of conversations are gold, you know. You know what? I think an incredible misconception about leaders or mentors is that they've got everything figured out. <laughs> yeah. And I think for for a period of time where I tried to be someone who – you know, through the power, I recognized very early in this podcast mm. project, essentially we could call it, or the quest of what I'm trying to achieve mm. here, that conversation is incredibly powerful, even more powerful than I realized it to be when I set out on this journey. Mm. Some of the messages received on the impact of these conversations or something that a guest has said or an experience of my own and the way that that can uplift, inspire and allow people to find answers to the questions they have around their life felt powerful. And I think with that come a sense of responsibility that will even without asking for it, I'm somewhat playing a role as someone who can, who can teach and develop character, yeah. essentially mentoring. 
with that then was like a sense of, well, I have to have it figured out (laughs) and I can't be vulnerable about the things that I'm struggling with right now. But I think I've learned in the last few months that it's actually the opposite. That vulnerability is a bridge for people to connect. That regardless of whether you're the most dulled in mentor or leader, you still have struggles and things in your life that you're trying to figure out. And so I've learned that there's an importance in expressing that vulnerability in allowing people to connect. Do you feel as though, you know, I I guess I'm trying to frame this question here for people to understand it best, Mm. but, but I feel as though as, as humans, we're all living through very similar challenges and experiences just with their own context. And I know that so many people would feel the challenge that I feel is my biggest right now of Mm. feeling stuck and not being present. Mm. What advice would you have for people in your experiences and in your wisdom for people who feel that right now? I'd say uh, being stuck is a normal feeling. So I'd normalize it. Um, Almost make friends with it in the sense that, okay, I'm here again. Mm. And this is just another stage and sometimes when you when you're most stuck is when you're closest to a breakthrough in your life because it's almost like you're you're sitting with your stuckness and you're realizing you're in it and you're going and because you've been there before maybe a different circumstance but you've been there before you do actually have the ability to work your way out of that the biggest thing and i talk a little bit about in my middleman podcast which is a you know one of recorded a couple of years ago you actually helped uh, were a big part of helped me set it up but i uh talk about being vulnerable enough to ask for help without you know losing the idea that i you know i'm still not i'm, I'm still the leader here or i'm still moving this thing forward or whatever else it is uh so i really felt the pressure of i've got to have all the answers here uh, and if i don't then i'm I'm going to make one up (laughs) and but people aren't they don't need that they need uh particularly australians particularly people in wollongong they need people to be genuine and when i say genuine i don't mean like just sharing all your stuff all the time um you know speaking from your open wounds all the time to Mm. everyone um who anyone who might listen it's actually and i've already mentioned that about making sure you have people that you can share those wounds with and they become scars and you can speak out of your scars and so i'm a big believer in making sure that you you've got the right audience there when you're sharing your vulnerabilities but i uh, realized too that you're asking for help wasn't a sign of weakness um saying to someone even like hey you might think i know how to do this but uh i actually i uh, don't as much as i thought and what I've noticed in you is that you're uh, great at doing that and I actually really need your help to achieve all that I'm meant to do in life uh, or all that this organisation's meant to do in life. You know, would, I'm actually asking you because I believe you're the best um, and you know, would you help, could you partner with me on this? Could you, could you give me some advice? Could, I, could you be a safe sounding board mm. uh, for me with, with this project or with this next step in my life? I mean, who doesn't want to be part of an ask like that? You of know, course. In the sense, like, uh, you know, don't, you know, I think desperation can be, you know, a bit of a turn off for people. Like, oh, that's really hard. But if you're, 
aware enough, which you are, and, and I appreciate you being honest too, Brad, we've all been there, um, aware enough with, look, I'm a bit stuck here, but you're aware enough to kind of ask people who are right to go, hey, what, what would you do next? What would you do here? Um, has been a big thing, I think, for me. And that's come out of a place of more inward um, security as opposed to maybe 10 years ago, I was maybe a little bit more like outwardly confident. <laughs> but now I'm like, the older I get, the less I know. And the older I get, the more complex uh, life is that I thought. For sure. Um, yet, as we've already spoken, empathy's grown. I, I've learned to assume less. I've learned to listen more. Uh, so I, these sort of stages come in life that I think are really gold to help others um, unpack stuck moments. But you've got to build, I would say too, if you want to be a mentor, you want to be people in your life or you know, want to be someone who champions someone, it's, it's well, all well and good to have the skills, but you know, it is also something that you, you've got to build time for in, yeah. in, in your schedule and in your life. You know, I don't want to be so like super ethereal about it. Like you do need to um, have like, this is my time to catch up with that person. I mean, I put in my diary all the time. You know, if I have an interaction with someone uh, that I thought, yeah, there's, there's, more, there's more on the surface than meets the eye there or... There's a bit of an itch they're trying to scratch. But, you know, I'll walk away from that, you know, interaction and I'll put it in my diary to text that person in three days' time. And because I don't want to forget what, what that was because there's more there. So it is a being a little bit like in the moment with people but then also practical enough to go, I want to build a discipline and a lifestyle of helping other people. For sure. And having some of those practical skills I think helps. So. Yeah, it's great advice, you know. One thing that you've spoken a lot about in, in our chats today on and off the mic is this sense of staying in one place right. for, for long enough to be settled and to, to work through the motions of that. Yeah. And, you know, I know that for part of your life, you lived in other places and mm. we had a bit of that chat today too. And I think for a lot of younger people listening to this podcast is this sense of, you know, maybe hearing that and maybe that like, you know, they feel that lump in their throat mm. where they're like, oh... I've been here for a while. Mm. I feel like I need to get away or I feel like I need to travel a bit. Do you think that for you it's easier to sit and be settled now because you've had those experiences of moving? 100%. And if people are feeling that, they should they should go do that or mm. they, they should experience that. And particularly in different stages of life that, you know, that makes more sense. I think it's just a, it's it's it is about being in one place but it's also not I wouldn't want anyone to ever hear that they should settle or they should think like, all oh, right, it's now time just to kick the feet up and I've achieved something here. And it's actually about an intentionality of wherever you find yourself, uh, you're there anyway. So like make that place the best you can. Make those people around the best you can. Uh, and sometimes longevity can help you do that for longer and it can build trust. But that can be as simple as, you know, I'm ordering a coffee anyway. So... Uh, what's the harm in asking the barista how their day's going or yeah. <laughs> it's, it's rather than scrolling on my phone, so right? True. <laughs> right? Or, it's so true. That's right. And what's the harm, you know, I'm ordering a coffee anyway, what's the harm in going to the same place five times a week So to build a relationship um, yeah. with that person? Or I'm going to go for a walk, I'm going to go stay fit. What's, what's the harm in doing that in a place that, um, down at the mile where you build consistency with people when you get to know people's stories it's a huge blessing on your life when you get to when you 
not that you get to be known, that you get to know others. Uh, because we assume so much in the world and social media and media and all those things probably don't help because yeah, it's like a, uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm not sure the word, but you know, that's like that, um, just that bite-sized wisdom all the time. Yep, got it. Yep. That's who that person is. But it's not. <laughs> and it's I deeper. Think it is. And I think having, um, you know, being wherever you are, making it purposeful is something I suggest. But, you know, I think for me personally, Wollongong's a great place to, to do that. You know, we came back from London, uh, my wife, Talia, and myself, um, uh, with a clear sense of wherever we are, we just we want to be planted. We want to make a difference, and that that came out of the faith journey uh, that I was on over there as well. But we want to make a difference. Uh, we want to engage people that are far from faith or with faith, or it doesn't matter. We just uh, we want to build healthy community somewhere, and it's lined up perfectly. I feel for us in the sense that. Uh, there's been a huge wind of change in Wollongong in the last 10, 15 years. You're in a growing minority if you're talking down this city, if you think it's a hole, yeah. if you think it's just the steelworks or whatever. Actually, well, I feel like we're in a place where we're taking all that good stuff or from the past. It's who we are now, but there's life here and there's activity and there's things popping up and cropping up and people, are taking, people are taking notice and... House prices are going up and <laughs> all those things. Which, all the, all so, that good stuff. Yeah, all that good stuff, yeah. All those things which make it both great and difficult at times, I understand. But, yeah, so it's... it's yeah, I mean, in a strange way, Brad, I just go... Uh, I've, helped, I've helped a part of that too, you know. I don't... Definitely. It's, it's not, you've helped a part of that. Um, people like you and I that believe in a place, that believe in people, you know, uh, and... They, don't, they go, yep, if you want to be a naysayer, you do that. But actually, whatever we got going on, I'm going to be a champion of that. Um, so those type of people I also think shape a city for the better, uh, bring vision to it. Um, so you've probably got me ranting a bit here, but I think no, it's... No, I love um, it. Yeah, well, when I rant, I'm passionate. And I think that's... Um, I'm passionate about this city being the best it's, um, the best it's ever been and the people... That are here. It's why I do what I do at Lighthouse. It's why I, you know, it's why I walk the mile. It's why I um, build relationship with um, the Hawks. It's you know, it sort of comes back to wanting others to be better. So. Yeah, I get a sen- sense that that's a big part of what's on your mind right now. And you know, I know we had a conversation probably six months ago about a potential passion project, which mm. I I just seen as launched in the last <laughs> week. Yeah. Um, Good morning, Wollongong. Yeah, it's there. And. You know, I'll make sure that everywhere that people can find everything that you're doing is in the show description. So, um, but I love the idea behind that and, and that platform and just highlighting the personalities and the people that are within our city. Mm. And as you said, I think there's a tendency more so in, in, in the younger generation to look at this space and place we're in and diss it and go, well, it's, it's not the big smoke of Sydney. Mm. It's not the Melbourne. It's, well... It's not, but that's exactly what makes it amazing. That's it's right. got its own fabric. It's, it's, it has its own story. Yeah. And the one thing I love about this place is the community. Yeah. And, you know, like I walked with a few mates and, you know, me, I was, I'm down there every day nearly running or walking and just walking with a few mates this morning. And 
so many people outside of my age bracket, mm. within my age bracket, from different walks of life that will walk past and say good day in yeah. the morning. And and I love that. And I think it's such an opportunity to and I always say good day when I'm running, everyone I pass, I say, Hey, g'day, how you going? Because it's an opportunity to uplift people. And I think yeah. as a community, we never know when someone's struggling. Yeah. You never know when someone's in a hard place. And yeah. that sense of being able to contribute just the smallest part of yeah of joy and happiness to their day. Yeah. Such an opportunity. It is. Everything I've done, especially the charity event, Mm. 42 for CF, Mm. has been championed by this community and people have gotten behind it with all of their might and their their care to share it and see it grow. And that's a special thing. So I think regardless of where you are, you've got to look at what you can provide to that community of people around you. Yeah. And you, you've built that through relationship, you know, and through your own story. And, and you said something too, you don't really know what people are going through. But also if you stick around long enough and you're, you're involved in people's lives, uh, you definitely can get the sense of when something is up too. Mm. And, 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 and you're in a perfect spot because you have trust with people um, to help, you know, when definitely. that type of thing goes on. And I know some of your guests would talk about better than I have around checking in on your mates and doing all that sort of stuff but you only get to do that if you've got mates or if you've built relationships yeah. with people or if you've but you also get the you get that reciprocated back to you you get people Definitely. looking out for you you get all that yeah there's a and back to i guess to wongong in a sense i was watching a show the other day it was street food usa i was just watching it just to switch off from the day i love food and i like america as well but um and they were doing a part on portland oregon and they started it with saying it um, you go to LA if you want to be seen. You go to New York if you want to be taken seriously, and you go to Portland if you want neither. <laughs> so, it's, and it kind of reminds you a little bit about Wollongong, the way you mentioned it. Like, yeah. you know, people want to be in Sydney because of that. They want to be in Melbourne because of that. That's but, a great. Like, point. But you just you come to Wollongong if you want none of that. But yeah. that's actually why we like it, you know. Of course. And it is a community that uh, that looks out for each other. It is a generational community, so you should. We should never underestimate the power of. Uh, I love to look around and to see young guys like you, Brad, which also shape my life just as much as when I look ahead of me and there's mm. older guys or mentors or people that I really um, appreciate in my life. And you always want to be able to look both ways and just say and learn from learn from each. Um, because that's what makes a you know, generational community and that's where you, you pass on stories and it's easy to lose that in modern life. Of course. Um, yeah, as well. It's, this, is, you know, it's the, this is the top of... It's a healthy community to bring up my own, you know, bring up my own family, your own kids, all that sort of stuff. You want yeah, to find that place. So. Mm. Mate, I love it. Mm. I think it's time to dive into the consistent part of the potty. Okay, five questions, five answers. <laughs> that's right. We just had a little intermission. Um, little battery change of the camera. Toilet break. Yeah, that's it. All those good things. Little hydration station. <laughs> because we've come to the part of the podcast which has been a consistent theme for the course of the last two or so months. It's five questions and five answers, which I think forms as a beautiful conclusion to the full episode. But many of you may be listening to this or watching this as almost a trailer to what to expect in the full episode if you choose to go and listen. And hopefully you do. Mm. So I'm going to dive into those five questions. Yep. The first, and, and firstly, I'll say, for that they gain traction in their intensity throughout the course oh, of the five. Okay. Oh. Yeah, somewhat. I think the last question is the most profound. 
So the first question is not on my mind right now. What is the first question? The book. The book, yes. There you go, my guess from my... I always forget the order of the questions, but right. I always I remember the fifth. too, so yeah. Oh, I just was thrown off by the, they're getting more intense. So. Yeah, there you go. But you nailed it, the book. So I always ask, what's one book or podcast that you'd recommend to someone tuning in? that, you know, if you could only recommend one, what would be you go to that's had an impact on you? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I normally recommend books that I'm halfway through reading. <laughs> and then I, I actually borrow our books from the library, so I don't yeah. tend to buy too many books and I haven't quite made the, the leap to um, Audible or yeah. you know, online reading. So, um, but a book I did finish uh, was a book called, a couple of years ago actually, a book called Selfie. And it's, it's actually quite a thick book. Um, you might know by the title, it's, you, you would think, oh, it's just about talking down the selfie generation or younger people. Um, but it's far more layered than that. And it talks about how the journey of history of how we become so self-obsessed and what it's doing to us. Mm. Um, and it's by a guy called William Storr, who I think is a journalist. Um, and it's the last book I remember reading cover to cover. In fact, I borrowed it from the library. I spilt my coffee all over it. <laughs> I went to take it back and they made me buy it off them. So <laughs> I've actually still got the copy. So I can loan it to you. Yeah, nice. But it, yeah, it talks all the way back to ancient history from the Greeks, but also you know, even as close to the 1980s when a lot of um, it was all about self-esteem, you know, pumping mm. up your self-esteem. And, your, um, and then you sort of intersect that with... Um, social media and phones and you know uh all sorts of cultures but it 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 sort of finishes in a sense where you know being a chameleon or having to be chameleon different things to different people and not being authentic uh actually is an exhausting space uh, to live and it talks about some of the tragedies around that Uh, but it was just a great book to reflect upon leading people um but also holding the mirror up to myself as well yeah i love that Mm. I feel like the next thing I read will be my list of questions again because I can't, I can't believe I forgot the first oh, question no, of right, five so. questions and answers. Yeah. But hey, that's that's the real authentic that's right. um, story behind and today's I'm, podcast. I'm, I'm halfway through Atomic Habits. Uh, I, I hear a James lot of good Clear. things about that. Yeah, but I feel like I've learned enough to, to focus on right now. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I've, I've ditched it. And you talk about telling stories. I'm re- halfway through reading Dave Grohl's storytelling. Oh, yeah. How's yeah. that? Uh, look, I, I've seen the Foo Fires live a couple of times, and I think this is where we connect in a lot in life. We like who these people are, artists, sports mm. stars, whatever, but we really want to know who they are. For and sure. That's, uh, I, yeah, my favourite types of movies and books are true stories, but it's the story behind the story. My favourite movie ever, Catch Me If You Can. Oh, is it? Well, mine's Moneyball. Oh, great movie. I watched that really second good. time. Yeah, in I'm like, a GM ISO. and I just kind of think about that and I love sporting stories. So, and Brad Pitt's incredible. So yeah. the combination of all that is... I watched that again the other week. Good. It makes it my favourite. So. Second question is a skill you recommend mastering that significantly improved your life? Yeah, I talk a bit about this already, but you know, I'd have to say it is empathy, um, mastering that skill. I don't think I'm always there, but it is the ability to say i can't imagine what someone's going through but then you hold space for that person by listening and helping them at the end of all that move forward in some way or another um, either by maybe some advice if asked for 
maybe recommendation to see another person or get help in some way. But uh, at risk of repeating myself, I think um, yeah, I'm a chaplain and really what they are meant to be doing is holding, being present with people and in a world that's really fast-paced, and I'm certainly not saying to people, slow your life down. I'm, I'm saying keep living full on, but be full on with your presence with people as well, um, being present with people, uh, taking the time to not story top or go over the top of someone, um, and don't make assumptions about people. And that was, that was a significant blockage in my leadership life because I thought life had to be done one way thought it had to be done my way thought it i thought why aren't they doing that it's so simple mm. to me or why do they keep doing it that way you know that's annoying as i've got a little bit older realized life's um, a little bit more complex uh, than i probably first gave it credit for uh it is um people have got a whole bunch of stuff going on behind the scenes uh, which you're a rare person in your life if you build trust enough to dig behind that with people. And I've just found it to be a space where people are really desperate for mm-hmm. to have someone to go, I can't imagine, uh, I don't have words for you. <laughs> I have no fortune cookie wisdom that's going to help you out of this or pretend to help you out of this, um, but I'm, I'm here. Here's my number. Um, call me anytime. Uh, I'm with you on this journey. So it's so important, isn't it? And we all appreciate and really value those people in our lives. And sure. I can I can really resonate with what you said there about you know that skill of empathy hmm. has taken time. I think yeah. I was definitely stuck in my beliefs and ways, especially through I think coming through, I spoke about it a little bit on my podcast with Sarah Grinberg. Mm. And I said, I think a big part of my life experience with CF made me very conscious and aware of health in that relationship with one's health. And I really struggled to understand and be empathetic with people who disregarded that and almost disrespected that through the use of substances. And where I used to think, how could you do that to your body when you've been blessed with health? And I've had to you know, almost in a victim's mentality at points, mm. I was like, you know, I take 50 tablets a day. Yeah. I work so don't hard for my health. Don't yeah, don't it. they understand? <laughs> and then I realized, and this is the power of story and listening, exactly right. yeah. is, oh, I can't imagine the experience that they've been through because yeah. that is so different to my lived experience. Right. What they've had to suffer through and their challenges yeah. are so unique to them. It's so yeah. outside of my understanding yes. that, oh, I guess I can understand now or be empathetic to why that has become the path of their life. That's right. How can I listen? How can I ask questions to allow them to find a way through this? Yeah. And I guess I've always seen it as a weak word or it's Mm. something that like, ah, is that really what I need to be doing? Um, It sounds all a bit, you know, wishy-washy. But I think even as, um, and I can ace, speak from the context of a male but yeah even as men i think it's exactly what genuine australians men need in this stage of life you know, whether that be around 40 or trying to 
or trying to build a life for you know mid twenties or whatever else it is. But you asked me, have I mastered it? I mean, it's not a mastered skill. My wife will be sitting here thinking, oh, I don't think he's as good as he's yeah. saying about it. Yeah, should be shaking, should be nodding ahead yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, say right. that. Or you know, but I probably maybe I'll learn a bit of it uh, from her as well. But and I'm sure there's people I've worked with in the past are thinking that no, Josh is not very good at that. <laughs> but I've often it, it's those people that you think just don't get it. They're mm. actually the people that shave. Uh, they're the people that kind of um, sort of shave the sandpaper off you a little bit and they kind of make you a little bit more honed in what you're doing. And Definitely. So it's those people that actually teach you a bit more than people that are pumping you up all the time as well. So. Of course. Yeah. The third question, I, I love this question because it's really revealing and I think you've probably spoken about this at points in the podcast, but the greatest challenge that you've faced that's yeah. required the most growth or resilience to overcome? Yeah, I have... Um, I've certainly touched on it, but I, I've experienced tragedy, I've experienced loss, but I would say my consistent challenge is uh, my thinking. And you understand this, and we've talked about you know, having a patch of grass that you know is like, oh, this can be bigger, um, or this could be greater, or you know, can't people see this? And you're even struggling to articulate a little bit. But it's, it is often my thinking that can hold me back. It's so easy when you're being a bit... Um, I'm not even saying this about myself, but it's what people are saying, I guess, about me. But, um, you know, when you're innovative or you're doing something different or you're trying to shape uh, things a bit ahead of the curve, uh, doubt can creep in really quickly all mm. the time. Um, and it can be a place where I know I'm maybe stuck or I've, my thinking's maybe getting the better of me because I've, I lose the ability to make decisions. Um, and when you do that, it becomes a bit of a, just a grey space where you are lacking decisiveness or you, 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 you're second guessing what's the right one so you never make a decision. Um, one of my mentors always says the worst decision you can make, Josh, is to never make one. Um, so I really live with the principle of like sometimes when I'm stuck in my thinking, it's like, Josh, you've got to say yes. You've got to say yay, nay, or you've got to delay and put that one off for another time. But it's, it's one of those three and you've got to, you've got to do that. So people that are kind of living on the edge or wanting to do something different or, or, or looking ahead of what could be, um, thinking is that you're, you're getting stuck in your thinking is a, a common thing um, and it means that you're pushing boundaries somewhere. I uh, definitely part of my journey, particularly 10 years ago, was um, some pretty deep, dark mental health challenges. And it's potentially a story for another time, but it, it was, you know, to the point where your thinking is, it, it, it paralyzes you. And mm. yeah, it's, you know, it's um, anal uh, paralysis by, uh, analysis by paralysis or, um, you know, it's, you're just, and you're so concerned about making the right decision, wrong decision. Um, but each of those times, I. I think, um, you know, I've encouraged you with this many times too, Brad, but like you just can't forget who you are. You can't and, and what you're here to do and and not everyone's going to like that. Not everyone's going to – it's not even actually – forget not everyone's going to like it. Not everyone's going to get it. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you're a likeable guy, but not everyone's going to get it. But that's okay. Just if if you remember why you're turning up to a space and who you are um, – doubt seems to become less of an issue so i would say with mental health and even mental health challenges there's way better people to listen to and talk about it than me 
but I know my own story is it was it, it was a significant challenge that uh, that saw me living a life I, I don't want to live again. But I would also say that um, uh, it's always there too. So you just got to learn how to kind of put a boundary around mm. your negative thinking or or make it less of a space in your mind too as well. So I just want to say to that. Mm. In the most, in the way that you do it so humbly, mm. that there, I just think that couple of minutes is so powerful. Mm. And I'd suggest for everyone listening to or watching this, because I know I will in the edit mm. and in the release, just skip back two minutes and listen yeah. to that again, because I hear and feel all of that. Mm. And I know so many people who are tuning in will understand exactly what you mean there yeah. and feel that to their core. Yeah. That That's powerful. So I'll just say yeah. amen to that. Yeah, that's good. Um, so well said. And thank you for sharing that. The fourth is a daily ritual or routine that just forms a part of setting yourself up for that daily success in quotations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's linked to my thinking um, and you've, yeah, you see me do this a lot, but I do like to walk most mornings of the week. Mm. I don't do that necessarily because, you know, it's a beautiful spot to walk or I just want to check out the sunrise. There is something about not having, when you first wake up, not having a ceiling over your head. Um, yeah. Because it's, for me, it's a metaphor for, you know, my day or it's a metaphor for my life that, you know, I don't want this thing to be capped. I don't want this thing to um, just be like, I'm looking at the ceiling here, but I don't want it to just be that. That's it, you know. And so, you know, sleep and night times and things for people that like to think and like to be up ahead and go getting can be difficult times. So actually, you know, when you see me out walking, it's me just. It is me either trying to reset um, for a new day, or it's to try to settle my thoughts, or it's um, you know, me as as a husband, as a father. I'm so responsible for the atmosphere and the tone in my home. Um, and it's important that it's not about getting that right all the time, but it's important that um, I recognize that's, that's, that's my responsibility. You know, mm. The atmosphere in my home is my responsibility to leave. If she was here, my wife, she'd say the same thing. We got such responsibility to our kids to set them up for success that, you know, I, I just don't want all that, you know, junk or negativity to, to be in my brain. So I think that's why I walk. That's why I like to get out, fresh air. Um, it gives you a bigger perspective on life. Uh, I, and I have a, um, and we've talked about it in other parts of the podcast, but I have a strong relationship, um, a personal one. So, I mean, I um, help other people in their faith, but that's got to come out of that I have a, a strong relationship myself with God. Mm. And walking is a part of that, um, connecting with God, you know, reading my Bible. These are daily practices that I do. But yeah, there's always a why behind it. I'm not just walking down there because, you know, I've heard that's the place to be. <laughs> Mate, I'll, I've I'll never... I'll do it if no one's down there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It is so true. Yeah. I've never heard anyone describe that as a way of starting the day without a ceiling. Right. I love that. Well, I'm... It's, not my, it's not my thought that I won't, so I can't take yeah. credit for it, but there's nothing too new under the sun no and well that's it. it that makes sense to my life yeah and, and i will be it. using that and in future podcasts <laughs> and <right>. conversations <laughs> um the last question yep. the one that means a whole lot to me it really is the reason for what i do yep. to uplift and inspire hope in others and a big part of that role as a guest on this podcast mm. is 
the opportunity to share one message with the world that if you could encourage them to act on it, make it a part of the fabric of who they are and what they believe, yeah. what would that message be? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many things I could say, but it was, it was a good question because it, you know, it made me think, but it really just came down to, you know, I would encourage people to just keep asking why. My kids, I've got four kids, and they're at that age where they're just like, um, hey, hey guys, you got to go to bed, why? <laughs> hey, you got to pack up the land, why? You gotta eat your veg. Why? You know, just like, just because. But yeah, just because you have to. You know, <laughs> so yeah, it's often the answer that comes out. But it's a good thought because we should do that in our own life. Like, why am I scrolling so much on Instagram here? Mm. Why? Um, yeah, you know, or you know, why? Why am I walking down here every day? You know, and that's where those, you know, no ceiling over my head thought comes from. Um, why do I exist here in life? <laughs> And that's where belonging and purpose comes from. Um, why is this sunrise so beautiful today? Well, that's where, um, if you keep digging away at that, that's, that's where my belief comes from. This world was created by a beautiful God that wanted to put that on show for us, you know? So I just, there's, if you keep asking why, not in an analytical way and not in a negative way, or it's the, it's the thing internally we should be asking ourselves all the time, because if we don't, we end up, doing things uh, that we don't want to do. We end mm. up setting up unrealistic expectations. Uh, we end up... Just just carry on. We're, <laughs> for everyone listening, the camera keeps cutting out. The battery's dead. So I'll just roll a little That's intro right. clip over the end oh, Josh has definitely talked too long. I think it's <laughs> <laughs> what Brad's saying. But uh, oh, I think it's... And then it, it's not our gift to other people, but it's mm. definitely our gift to ourselves if we just keep asking why because everyone has a... Have a, has a backstage life and they have a front stage life and if those things are too far apart um, because you don't know why you're doing what you're doing yeah um, it's a very exhausting space to keep up mm. um, and that's why we that's why <laughs> to use that word again we see you know leaders not make it or fall over or um, do the things do things they shouldn't or break trust or whatever else it is so it is about bringing those two things together, knowing why you're doing what you're doing, um, having the best motivations you can yeah. uh, for the things you're doing as well. So, Mate, so well said that just everything we've spoken about today and, and it's the reason why I continue to invest in this relationship that we have is not only do I feel as though, not only can we sit and chat and laugh as mates and you know talk about other things, but there is a sense that you have and, and a power and ability that you have as a human being to connect with what I need to hear in, mm. in a given time and the advice that I need or just to be heard and listened to that I appreciate so much. Yeah. I, I just, for the people listening, I want to know that everywhere you can find Josh will be in the show description today, but I feel like just for you and you're so humble that you mm -hmm. won't, you know, you, you always kind of brush this off, but I just want to celebrate you and congratulate you on the work that you're doing, mm -hmm. the human being you are. I think from a, a very human level in your personal life, I look at the human being you are and I think what an amazing role model your kids have, what amazing husband your, mm -hmm. your wife has. And mm -hmm. Amy's, I'm sure there's probably a few things she'd say, oh, yeah. wish she'd done a bit you more get, of this around the you house. Get, you know? get, back, you yeah. get her back for part two. <laughs> um, I'm just, yeah, I, I just want to congratulate you on the human being that you are first and foremost. and. Yeah. And just say that 
the work you do is incredible. I'm, yeah. I'm so privileged and honoured to have had you on the podcast. And we spoke about this before that regardless of the the heights that I hope to reach and the opportunities I hope to get to speak to some of the biggest celebrities in life to humanise their story. I look at someone like you who's been a part of my life for the last 10 mm. years now, more particularly the last mm. two. Mm. And this conversation here feels as profound as conversation will ever need to be. Mm. And it feels like it could impact and have such an important role in so many people's lives to mm. uplift and inspire hope in them, which is essentially why I do what I do. So thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thanks, Brad. It's been an absolute honour. Actually, I appreciate the invite. I'll receive all that encouragement, actually, and know that life's you know not done. We've got a lot to go. But yeah, it is important to sometimes just to stop and and receive the encouragement that's given definitely. and uh, say thanks and thanks again for having me a part of it my absolute pleasure thanks for tuning in guys